Welcome back to Our Soul, a podcast by Faith Choice Ohio, Ohio's faith voice for choice. Welcome everyone to another episode of Our Soul. We are so excited today to be joined by two very special guests. In a moment, Kathy and Rachel are going to introduce themselves and give just a a little intro to who they are and where they're from. Kathy and Rachel are here to share with us stories, their personal stories about reproductive health rights and justice. Particularly in this time, we are focused on the anniversary of Roe versus Wade happening in just a day from this episode. But there will be two parts to this episode, the first part airing on the 21st of January and the next part airing a week after. That episode will include additional stories because we want to hold space for the telling of abortion stories. Roe versus Wade was not just a single moment in our history, but rather it was a moment of awakening to the reality of stories that have been told for generations and will be told for generations to come. So we join that stream of generational storytelling today with Kathy and Rachel sharing their stories with us. Kathy, would you like to go first just to to give us an idea of who you are and where you're from? Sure. Um, My name's Kathy. I'm from Northeast Ohio area, around the Cleveland area. Um, I'm a single mom of two children, one um, going to be turning 12, one's eight, boy and girl. Um, I'm in human resources and basically my day is kids and work and uh, advocating for abortion. Wonderful. Thank you for being here. And Rachel. Hi, um, my name is Rachel. I am a Gen Xer, so I'm a little bit older on the other side of this story. Um, I am an empty nester now. I have three children, uh, all graduated college, all out of the house, doing their thing. I, uh, I'm also a clinic escort for the clinic up here in Toledo, Ohio, um, the abor- Toledo Abortion Center. And I'm in human resources and payroll part-time when I'm not doing this stuff. Wonderful. We've two two folk from Human Resources. I don't think we planned that, but I think I think Human Resources. That's uh, that's the work that Repro is all about, right? Who would like to Who would like to go first? We're we're here to listen to your stories today, so we we want you to be in charge of of your stories and how you share. I'll go first. Um, like I said, my name's Kathy. Um, my story actually begins in 2016 of when I met my ex. Um, and his name was Corey. He was in and out of jail and prison, and that wasn't the red flag for me, apparently, but, um, I stuck with him for a few years, um, through all the hard times and the, the bad times, what I thought were the bad times. Um, and then in 2019, he was released, um, from jail and we decided we were going to live together after a few years, uh, of being together. And... Um, he started drinking heavily when he got out, um, and he started being abusive. Um, the first night he was out, he was abusive. So, um, I stuck it out and, um, 
a few months later, we ended up losing our home because he was drinking so much and I couldn't keep up with everything. Um, the abuse got worse. His birthday, he abused me pretty harshly in front of my two children and it was just a lot going on. And then finally, um, the end of December of 2019 is when we found out that I was pregnant and he was very upset about it and got even more abusive about it. And so he basically told me I had to have the abortion and I was like, okay, well, I can't financially do it. I had already lost my home and I was not financially stable. I had two children as it was, and I was okay with getting the abortion. Um, he didn't think I was going to actually go through with it and accused me of trying to trap him in a relationship with a child. Um, and then in January of 2020, on January 26th, he actually abused me to the point where I called the police and he was actually thrown in jail for domestic violence and assault on the fetus as well. Um, and February is when I had my abortion. I actually ended up going to uh, a crisis center, which I didn't know, pregnancy crisis center, uh, where they told me if I was going to get the abortion, that I was going to go to hell, um, that they could reverse my abortion with a pill if I was to get an abortion, which I knew not to be true. Um, they basically made me feel completely horrible and tried giving me all these things like, we'll provide you with clothing for the child if you go through with it there's adoption and all these other choices. And I had already researched adoption and just my body couldn't handle it. I had already gone through two pregnancies with my children and became sick with each one of them. And I wasn't ready to do that again. So I got my freedom on February 14th of 2020. I did my medication abortion at home. It was uneventful. <laughs> it was, um, peaceful and I finally broke free from his grasp on me with it as well so I, I didn't have the burden of him staying around for the next 18 years and having a grasp on my life through a child I wasn't putting a child at risk as well um, to be abused by him because it would have been a separate uh, part of that child's life to be a part of him and I wouldn't been able to stop it so in essence I feel like I saved my life um, because if I had kept the child he would have definitely come after me um, at some point because he did continue it even after he got out of jail he he continued the stalking and the abuse and everything from there um, it was just more mental abuse from that point so for me to finally have that freedom on Valentine's Day, a day that I held so high um, to romance and everything, but it felt so freeing to actually have this done and know that his grip on me was gone and that I was no longer going to be subjected to his abuse and I wouldn't put a child in that situation as well. It had already messed up my two children that weren't even his. 
um, to a point where they got scared of every phone call that came through because they didn't know if it was him or not. So to, to be free from him and to actually move on and, and do the work to, to be away from him um, was all possible because I had the abortion. There, there's no other way because I would have felt a connection with him for the rest of my life if I hadn't done it. Mm. That is that is powerful. Thank you, Kathy, for sharing. And it's just so beautiful to hear you say, like, the day I got free and and seeing it as that. Like, I'm, I'm like, teary-eyed just, like, thinking about that freedom that you got. And, um, oh, man, uh, I'm real emotional about this stuff. But um, just thank you for telling your story. Um, I know it probably wasn't easy to tell that to um, any of like on <laughs> on our public podcast um, but uh, yes it's just very powerful to hear your story and I have I have a million questions that I that I want to ask and I'm I'm gonna refrain in this moment because we want to hear uh, Rachel's story as well and I've, I promised myself I said no questions until after I hear I hear both of the stories because I, I'm just, um, I'm, I'm overwhelmed by the, the wonder and the joy in your story. Um, but Rachel, I, I want to hear as well. Um, I'm sure that you also have wonder and joy and um, perhaps many other things to share with us as well. For sure. Um, I just want to preface my abortion was in 1988. So I'm a Gen Xer. Um, I was 18 or 19 when I found out it wasn't even a question of what I was going to do. Um, it was the only decision that I knew was going to be right for my life. Um, it took me a little bit of time to realize I was pregnant. Uh, I was on the pill. So I had, still had a light period. I wasn't, you know, I was into uh, being 18. I wasn't really into paying attention to my body so much. Um, I did wonder, how could this happen? I was on the pill. I've been responsible since I started having sex. I come from a family where women discuss abortion and sex and Planned Parenthood and um, condoms and Roe v. Wade. And uh, so, but yet here I was, right? And uh, I went and decided that it was abortion. I did call my mom as soon as I knew. Um, I did live with my dad here in Ohio. My mom was in Illinois. Um, so that was a little bit of a logistic problem. And on top of that, the boy who got me pregnant, my boyfriend through high school had just moved to Connecticut with his family. So I'm all over the country with this one. Um, my mom agreed it was the right decision. Um, my boyfriend, if I guess if that's what you call him, agreed it was the right decision. We involved his mother. She agreed it was the right decision. Um, so on that front, I was really lucky and privileged to have such positive um, support and financial support to get it done. So it wasn't even a question. I didn't have that barrier. Um, I found my clinic in the Yellow Pages. We didn't have Google back then. Toledo had, I believe at that time, two clinics. I mean, like I had a choice. It might have even been three. I can't really remember that far back. Um, I just remember I went into like complete mission mode. I'm like, I got to get it done. I got to get this money organized. I got to get a ride. Um, I was privileged enough to have the money to pay for extra anesthesia. Um, so I couldn't drive myself there. There was no 24 hour waiting period. It was make your appointment and get to the clinic 
have your ultrasound, have a little talk with everybody in a circle, like a feel-good thing, and we went on with our appointments. So it was pretty, I think that was pretty cool, actually. I can be honest, I don't remember tons of details about my procedure. Um, I do know my ultrasound showed me further along than what I thought. Uh, of course, that cost more money even back then. So I'm um, the cold, hard reality of it. It kind of felt uncaring in the beginning, but they let me call my mom and let her mail a check to them for the extra money. Again, no Venmo, no PayPal, any of that kind of stuff. Um, I know it was a five-minute procedure that impacted my life so positively that I can't even express it all the way, I don't think. I remember the stirrups. I remember the crinkle of the paper. I remember looking at the doctor going, I hope this man isn't judging me, even though I felt really confident for my age, I think, what I was going through. And then I remember uh, waking up in recovery and then making, giving me my final medications to go home and my instructions and my girlfriends, who I love and still have, picked me up and took me home. Um, I'm really fortunate and privileged, and I understand that. And uh, to come from an uh, aspect of support and love, privilege of the financial support, to be able to not have to worry about that. Um, I don't hide. I have an abortion back in the day. Um, I didn't go around telling people either. I wasn't really embarrassed, but back then that's just what you didn't do. I have no problem there now. I'm a clinic escort. I talk to my patients who I escort all the time to try to reassure them that I know where they've been. I did not have the privilege of medication abortion though that they do, which is so wonderful. Um, again, a five minute procedure has given me a pretty great life. Is it perfect? Nope. But it's pretty awesome for my aspect. I do want to say that I am a multi-abortion person. I ended up having two more. Um, I don't really tell those stories all the time. I did feel kind of ashamed, but I think embarrassed is a better word for it at the time. My first husband was abusive. Um, so I had, in the beginning, we got pregnant and I had one um, to the point where I didn't pay for any extra anesthesia because I was punishing myself, even though I had the privilege and means to do it. Um, I had a child with them and had another child and realized I couldn't have another. And uh, after the birth of my second child, I two years later got out of that relationship and kind of reacquainted myself with a high school sweetheart. And we've been together for 20 plus years and that abortion, my abortions would have never got me to this life and never gotten to me to have the two daughters and the stepson I have and never gotten me to move forward, I don't think so. Um, I hope my story shows that there's a positive outside. You know, I am an empty nester now on the other side of abortion. And I just want people to know that if you're struggling right now and, you know, you had the confidence to make the decision, but you second guess yourself that uh, I think you're going to sit back and realize that your life turned out pretty darn great because you had the privilege of access of abortion, right? So that's my story. Rachel, thank you. Thank you so much. I I am I am just absolutely struck in your retelling of the experience of the things that you remember most of all. You know those those kind of tactile things. You know the crinkle of the paper, how the stirrups felt. Um, you know the, even the concern about you know is this is this doctor is this person judging me in this moment. Um, I I feel very deeply those those kind of tactile things because those are the things the body remembers right those those are the things that we um, that we most 
keep in our minds and our hearts after we we leave. You probably have no idea, you know, how much was the check that mom had to write or what was the, nope. you know, this, that. None of that is, is important. Nope. What's important in that moment is all of the things that you remembered, you know. That's, that is just so beautiful to me that you, you have, have that, that memory and that ability to, to share. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm struck by the similarities um, between your stories um, Kathy and, and Rachel, you know, this, this idea that there was a question of how best to go forward, right? How, how best to go forward, what the future looked like. And, you know, there's, there's even a thread, even though it's on, it's on different ends of, uh, you know, kind of that, that lived experience. There's the question of the children I already have, and what's best for them. I, I'm fascinated to hear more about that because I think a lot of people who have never experienced journeying with a, a person through an abortion decision, they don't understand the deep care that goes into thinking about the children one already has or the children one hopes to have in, in making that decision. I agree with you. It, our stories are so similar, and it's which I love. I think all of our stories really all have a common thread, don't they? We just have to talk about them and get in the open to figure out that common thread. But, you know, with me having an abortion before I had children and then having an abortion, two more abortions after I had children, I knew I was having my first abortion so I could have children later to give them a life that I thought maybe they deserved or I needed to give them as a mother. And then the same kind of theory goes forward with my abortions after I had children is I knew what kind of life I needed them to have. I knew what kind of horrible life I was secretly in already trying to find a way out of abuse, just not knowing how. And I knew I just couldn't move forward for my two children I have in this relationship with two more children. And uh, I just... Moving forward, like you said, is the name of the game and figuring out that for you, whether you have children or whether you don't have children. Yeah, definitely. I think on my end, it was, I was protecting my children um, from him. Um, you know, they didn't need to be around him. They were luckily, they only saw the one instance of him abusing me. Um, I was very lucky and able to hide it from them um, while we were all living together but I kept thinking because for years with him I was, I was like I want his baby like I wanted to have a child with him because I thought him being an addict and everything that maybe that would you know make him realize what he should be doing in life and, and what's more important and stuff like that having his own child and then you know I grew up a little bit more and went through more of the process with him and then actually living with him. It was a much different process when we were apart and he was in jail and doing this and that. Um, and I was still living my life and I still had my job and I was still doing what I was doing every day. But when we lived together and like the whole process just fell apart on me, um, I saw that my children needed protected 
and that was the main thing for me with my decision was if he is still in our lives we are all at risk and he will always be in our lives if I have a child with him so and my daughter you know thankfully we have a very open relationship and we, we talk to each other about everything so she knows everything about abortion um she knows everything about roe versus wade and i've talked with her about all of these things so when i had the procedure done and i went home and took the four pills and put them in my mouth the next day she was with me for it and she was the one taking care of me and you know that's a lot for a kid to do but we've always had each other's backs and i knew like this is who I had to protect. This girl is sweet and she's caring and she's understanding and, you know, she's so intelligent to understand everything that I'm going through. And she knew that it was the best bet um, for all of us in the situation because she just kept saying, I don't want Corey back. I don't want Corey back. And, um, you know, that broke my heart when I told her I was pregnant and she started crying and she was so scared that he was going to be back around because he was going to have a baby. And I was just like, my best bet is to protect you, is to get this done and realize that I don't need him in my life anymore than I've already had him in all of our lives, actually. So that was my main thing was protect them and make sure that my son grew up to know that that's not the man you're supposed to be in life as well. And you don't just run away or uh, abuse your way through women. Um, just to get what you want at this point. So he sees a strong mom and he tells me every day, you know, he's so happy that he's gone and um, he sees that I'm happy now. And, you know, I know I did the best thing for them. And the, the way that you shared in your story, you know, that, that day of freedom, it, it felt like in your telling, it, it was freedom for you and your children and your future with them, you know, that uh, is, is just so remarkable because I, I hear that often in the stories and I think every time it, it is still just so new and fresh to be able to celebrate that, you know, you are strong, <laughs> you know, this, this process, uh, you know, a medical abortion is such a, a wonderful advent uh, you know, that has come into uh, our usage and our, our ability um, to have that care. It is still, uh, you know, a process that requires a great deal of care and planning. Um, and it gives you the even more freedom to, to be able to do that at home. I, I think in, uh, in Rachel's story, you, you shared that one of your concerns in your procedure, just thinking through your head is, you know, is this person judging me? And I, I heard, Kathy, you mentioned that you ended up at a crisis pregnancy center beforehand. And that's, yes. that's very common in the state of Ohio, right? We, we have eight clinics in the state of Ohio and 130 plus crisis pregnancy centers. So the chances of somebody getting mixed up uh, and heading to a CPC and getting all this misinformation and this judgment and this, you know, you, you shared that you were told you're going to hell, you know, if you, if you do this, the chances of that happening are very high and it's by design because the people who run those centers endeavor 
to mislead patients. They endeavor to moralize, stigmatize, and and really, you know, abuse spiritually and emotionally abuse patients. I'm interested to know, you know, how how did you you know, you you experienced that, you went through that process, and you said at some point you had to say no because you kept moving until you were able to make what you knew was the right decision. How'd you do that? I mean that that's such strength. How how did you how did you come to that that process? I am a very um I wouldn't say I would say petty. <laughs> I would say petty. Um <laughs> they I had actually gone to them with my first daughter um to get the verification form for um uh Gem Family Services to get medical uh, from them. So I'd actually gone to them before and had no idea that they were a crisis pregnancy center. And I just thought they were just like this women's health clinic that you can go to and get all these things with. And so that was me at 24. And then here's me at 34. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'll just go back there. So I went back there and then like I had grown up and, and realized more things. So to actually be in front of them and realize what they're actually saying to me, and I had actually mm. uh, become more of myself religiously, or not religiously, honestly. Um, you know, I have a better understanding of religions and, and everything now um, that I'm older. So when I went in there, I already knew what I was going to do. I just needed the verification form because I wasn't very educated on abortion, even at 34 years old. I grew up in you know, cornfields and apple orchards and our sex ed education is just don't have sex in my high school. So, you know, it, it was very limited. And so when I went in there, they were like, okay, what religion are you? And I'm just like, well, I don't have a religion. And they were like, oh, well, have you heard about Christ? And I was like, well, yeah, <laughs> like I have. And so they kept pushing it on me. And I was like, listen, like, you're not going to stop me from my decision. Like, I just need this verification form. I didn't know that, um, you know, the medical coverage through John Family Services didn't cover abortion. Um, I had no idea. I was like, oh, I'll go get medical coverage. I'm pregnant. And then I'll be able to cover the abortion that way. And I had no idea. Still, being in my 30s, I didn't know this. And so that's the only reason I went there. <laughs> And I could have avoided the whole situation, but I didn't. And, you know, she kept pushing me and she brought in a doctor who wasn't certified or licensed anywhere. I I asked to see certifications and licenses and they didn't have them. Um, I had told my, I had figured it out. I was probably about two weeks along when I went and saw them and they gave me an extra month um saying no you're this far along you're due at this date and mm -hmm. trying to get me to say that I'm too far along to be able to get it and I was like well I'll, I'll go to Planned Parenthood and find out and they tried their best <laughs> they literally tried their best to talk me out of it they were like no let me bring in this pamphlet for you to read about what the bible says about abortion and me I you know I gave them my two cents about the situation I was like listen I just need the verification form <laughs> you just you need to leave me alone so you know it was just um very eye-opening to me to to be 
in front of these people and them still trying to judge me and then at the end of it being like okay well after you get the abortion let us know if you change your mind we'll give you a pill and we can reverse it and I was just like that's not real and they're like well let's take you in for an ultrasound and it was one of those basic ultrasounds that you equipment that you can get at Walmart and I was like, this isn't a real ultrasound machine. <laughs> and I kind of just took my verification form and left and went on with my procedure uh, the next week and was perfectly content and happy. And I literally lifted a weight off of my shoulders. Mm. Mm. And and to be to be able to say, no, nah, I got this right Thank you. Thanks for the Bible pamphlet. After I told you that I'm not religious and you tried to push this on me, like, thanks, but I'm going to go where I know real doctors are and I can get real medical care. That's right. that's fantastic. <laughs> wow. Um, I, I, I think that's great the way that you were able to, like, overcome that. Not only the stigma, but, like, the pressure and the lies them telling you yeah. that you were farther along than you actually were um to try to like keep you from even pursuing information of, uh in another place um and that i i think is just like really important and really great that you had that strength to advocate for yourself and knowing that you were not only protecting yourself but your children that you already had um and uh rachel when you were telling your story i um uh noticed you say that like you didn't have the extra anesthesia in your um uh like a, in a later abortion because you were like punishing yourself and um i i i think that that's just uh like just thinking about the stigma that people put on abortion and people who have had multiple abortions um i i just wanted to hear more about like what that experience was like and and what made you feel that way if you're comfortable saying that oh for sure i mean again i come from a i mean a pretty progressive female side of my family you know my mom marched in washington on the era and things like that so um I don't, it doesn't even make sense that I did, I think I felt embarrassed and ashamed because I did grow up like that and I should know better, right? I should know better. I mean, why do I keep letting this guy convince me to have unsafe sex? I mean, I'm more married, but I still just, I mean, I'm a strong person, but it, I think it was just punishment. Like I said, I just really felt I let myself down and I let, even though my parents weren't involved in this one, that I let my parents down or my mom. Um, and I guess it, even though I'm not really re that religious, maybe it was my penance, you know, that um, how dare I have the access also that I can just so willy nilly walk in and get another abortion. Lucky me, right? I mean, I guess that's, it took me a long time to get over that part of it. I'm not Ever, I don't, and what's weird is I still don't regret them, but I do regret how I used to feel about them, and I don't anymore. That that's good. I'm I'm really glad to hear that you don't feel that way anymore. And I think like, I don't know when when I heard that I just think about even 
when you have like family who is supportive, like the it's the culture around us that can kind of make it that can uh, increase the stigma on people and make it think that like oh I shouldn't have this access even though it's like there or I shouldn't have this comfort or this ability um, which is absolutely not true and I'm glad that even even though uh, there was that level of thinking that you deserve some type of uh, penance or had to pay some type of penance um, that you still were able to get you know what you knew you needed um, and to be able to you know have the freedom that you knew you wanted in your life so um, anyway we are about out of time um, it has been really great hearing your stories and I am really touched I don't know why I'm so emotional today but I've been teary-eyed this whole time just hearing about uh, the power and the strength behind your stories and the way that you were able to choose yourself and your family and advocate for what you knew was best um so just thank you for for being here today um and for telling thank us. you for having us yeah it's an awesome experience thank you you are welcome we are just so glad to have you so um that is the end of our first of uh these abortion story episodes um uh, I hope you will join us next week um, as we air more abortion stories. Um, thank you again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Soul. If you'd like to hear more of our conversations on religion, abortion access, and all things repro, you can find all our episodes on Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. For more content, training, and other information, check us out at faithchoiceohio.org.